find passion in what you're doing. Find that one little thing that really sticks out to you that you're like, okay, that's what I want to work on. That That's what will drive me um, in what I'm doing. And that's what's helped me the most with letting her run is that I have a little sister and I don't want her to go through anything that I'm going through. So that's what keeps me going and that's what keeps me moving. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, innovation, disruption, leadership, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, back with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, here we go again. Reunited, and it feels so good. Um, Reciting a Peaches and Herb 1970 (laughs) year. Nice, really. I'm dating myself with that reference. Um, Yeah, no, it's nice to be together. I know we've done a couple of solo shows recently. Um, Can you believe it's the end of the semester? The academic year is over? I can't believe we still haven't actually been together in person in two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Well, the irony for everybody listening is that Columbia, our program, hosted a social event last night. Neither of us could go because of... Uh, respective COVID concerns that linger, unfortunately, in our world right Which now. Are negative. I said, I said, um, if I started a COVID testing company, our slogan would be, we're positive, you're negative. <laughs> I like that. I would definitely go to that place. Uh, well, I, just to wrap that up, Joe, I did my PCR this morning, so I'm waiting to get a clearance. I have no mm-hmm. symptoms from this. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a super spreader event, but I went to a wedding last week, and it was a, definitely a spreader event. Necessarily, not necessarily super. So um, hopefully I'll be okay. Um, so yeah. So how uh, how are things going? I know you got to attend some really cool things recently, which relates to our uh, guests and our topic today. So yep. uh, catch us up on on your activities. I will also say that uh, I am not buying Twitter, Tom. Elon, even if Elon oh, gives you the bid, I'm going to let it go. That so. would take too much time to discuss, Joe. Um, that's it's a crazy story. It really is. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I, I, um, I was hoping that things would be better resolved at this point after the announcement a couple of weeks ago. But it sounds like it's more confusing and, and and more uncertain as ever. And if he doesn't buy it, he's got to give them a billion dollars with a B. So, right, like a like a yeah. cancellation fee or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. So uh, numerous things in and around town um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, picked up a cold, went to the Rosner Bar Mitzvah on Saturday night, Okay, nice. gotten the, co- uh, the, the, uh, the cold perhaps. But a um, couple of things that have come up. One was I wrote about something today, which was really interesting. I, I had met some guys from the UK from CSM yesterday for just a kind of a cup of coffee. And they said they were talking about Major League Baseball and London. You know, they, MLB has now announced that they're going to London again. And we're here yeah. at the end of the middle of May. Um, and they work on the account. And they said, you know what the amazing thing is? Major League Baseball has a, a decided cultural advantage over every other sport in the world because of one thing. And I said, what's that? He goes, they're the only sport that has the city logos on every piece of apparel that you buy, no matter where you are in the world. Right. So if you are a fan of a city, you buy a hat that says LA, which is a Dodgers hat. Right. And whether you like baseball or not, MLB has this kind of brand value, new era cap uh, leg up that has been over 120 years old that nobody knew. And of course, because I had nothing better to do this morning, Tom, I looked it up and there are only three MLB teams that do not have the city initials on their caps. Three. Huh. Cincinnati must be one. Nope. Nope. Cincinnati's a C. Oh, just a plain C. Right. What am I thinking? Yeah. 
All right. Well, you got to tell me because we'd waste too much. The time. Orioles, okay. the Orioles, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Blue Jays are the only three. Oh. I'm sorry, and the White Sox, the fourth. That's the fourth. Fourth one. Okay. So, nice. Anyway. All right. So that was one thing. The other thing was I, I had a great chance to go back to my native Brooklyn and sit in on the ESPNW conference, which Laura Gentili, J.J. Uh, Nesham organize every year. And it was different. It's always different. And you always hear different voices. One of the amazing voices is our guest today that we heard. Um, and she got up and spoke with her mom and told the story of uh, which she'll go into about her path to um writing a wrong, helping right a wrong, but also opening up a door for others who may have challenges in other areas that are uh, not being able to compete or uh, be involved with athletics or other things that go on in society. Um, she is currently a student at The Ohio State University. Um, she created uh, a website and a foundation called Let Noor Run. So before we uh, kind of get into it, I, I just wanted Noor Abukaram to introduce herself. Welcome to the Cusp Show. Uh, and we can't wait to let everybody else hear your story and where you are today. So go Buckeyes and take the floor, Nora. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I'm Nora Bukaram. I am the founder of Let Nor Run, where we fight discrimination and injustices in doing what we love. I founded Let Nor Run back in 2020 after I had been disqualified from a cross-country race for wearing the hijab. Um, after my story went viral I quickly had like all these newfound connections um, and I realized that I needed to take a stand in what I was doing and that's when I decided in January of 2020 um, to start the Letner Run initiative um, and our first event was where we brought different athletes together with similar experiences and um, we basically all sat on a panel and we just shed light on religious discrimination and injustice in sport. So, so Noor, can you, um, your mom told an amazing story of how this all kind of came about. She was leaving, uh, she's a competitive athlete on her own, and she was leaving an event in Ohio where you had just competed and done well, and you called her. So mm -hmm. can you just give us a little bit of background on what actually happened that led to this? Yeah, so we were at the District Invitationals um, in Finley, Ohio, and I, like I said, I had just run the meat of my life. Um, my mom left, my team made it to regionals. We were all very excited, very happy. Um, and then I was going through the, the like our individual placings and trying to see what my time was and what my individual placing was in the race. Um, and then I quickly realized that my name wasn't on the list. And I, um, I turned and I asked my teammates and that's when they told me that I had been disqualified. Um, and then initially I, I didn't think much of it because I never, thought of my hijab really I was just like cross country has all these like rules and they're super picky so I was like it must be the bracelet that I'm wearing um and and uh my teammates were like no it's your hijab and I actually called my father first or my dad called me like he does if he can't make it to a race he always calls me um right after so he called me and I told him um that I had been disqualified and that's when he call my mom and then my mom has her whole story where she um, had to turn around the highway and basically come save me from just, I was so humiliated. I was on this, um, I was on this team. No one looks anything like me. I had no one to talk to. My coach didn't have much of an explanation for me. Um, so when my mom got there, I was like, thank God, um, like my superhero Superman came and saved me. And I went, to Detroit with her to her half marathon that she had been training for. 
Crazy. Um, so, Nora, one part of the story that was interesting was I was looking at the um, kind of backstory was how the state senator in Ohio heard about the situation and, and spoke up and actually took action and was able to introduce a bill uh, in Ohio. Could you tell us that part of the story? That's really interesting. And it's nice to know that politicians are paying attention sometimes. Yeah. In a positive uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. It, it really does. It feels nice. Um, yeah. I met with Senator Gavarone in January 2020, um, and we had coffee together. And I didn't think anything of this meeting. I thought, this is pretty cool. You know, I'm meeting a senator. We're going to have coffee, probably take a picture. And then, you know, that that would be the extent of it. Um, but that same day, we heard about the OSHA rule change, um, that they had changed the waiver rule and that they had made some changes. And it was changes that we were not happy with. Um, they, they weren't, yeah, we were not happy with these changes. Um, mm -hmm. So when we met with Senator Gavron, we kind of had that fire, you know, um, and we showed her the rule changes and she was like, yeah, this is unacceptable. Um, and immediately she like gets her iPad and she starts highlighting things. And, um, and then that's that night I had my kickoff event and my lawyer was there and she comes to me and she's like, Nor, I got a call from the Senator. We're going to work on something really great. Um, and that's like basically all I heard. Um, and then a few weeks later, they called us and they said, okay, we have this bill written. And it was a bill that's that prohibits organizations from implementing discriminatory policies in interscholastic activities. Um, so it's very broad. It's for any interscholastic activities, not just sports. Um, and it protects people of all religions. Um, so when I met with Senator Gavarone, like I said, I didn't think much of it, but then it ended up being like this like start of some real change. Um, and then I went to go testify in the state house um, twice. And I testified in the um, in the house once, and then it just passed into law in February. Amazing. Um, so one observation, and then our next question. Um, so I don't know how these things happen. As I said to you guys, when we met in Brooklyn, somehow these things kind of fall into my lap every once in a while, but I was walking through Manhattan yesterday in the Flatiron District, and there is a young woman running towards me with, with, I wasn't sure if it was a hijab or what she had. And I looked, I'm like, wow, there's another runner. I wonder if Noor has inspired other people already to make sure that it's okay to run if you have something on like that. Um, and I had never seen that in Manhattan before. And I'm like, well, maybe that, maybe that kind of leads us to, to the cultural change that you're bringing. But the question I really had about cultural change is, tell us some of the other people who immediately connected with you and how you've helped them or what their issues were that, that really weren't the same as yours, but you know, we're, we're dealing with issues, especially around athletics that, that most people didn't know about. So one of the first people that I was connected to was Bilqis Abdelkader. And um, we were connected through a mutual friend. And when I read about her story, which is she was, she's the first NCAA D1 basketball player wearing hijab. Um, and then she went on to go play internationally and FIBA had rules against headwear. Um, so she wasn't able to play internationally. She had to fight those rules and sign a petition and um, all sorts of things that she had to go through. So when I met her, I was like, okay, this is someone, this is, this is my mentor. You know what I mean? Of, of all the people that I'm going to meet, this is someone that's been through it, that fought for change. Um, and now she, she has an organization called Dribbling Down Barriers. So she 
um, or hijabi ballers. And she works with all these organizations. She does all this great work. And, um, and she's just such an inspiration to me. So when I met her, I was honestly quite naive in these other situations that that were similar to mine. And I was like, hold up, this happened when like 2016, like, you know what I mean? And I'm like in 2019, and I met another boxer named Amaya Zafar, similar situation. And, um, and those were actually the two people on the panel with me. So I had connected with Bilkis Abdulkadir. And um, I guess the first time that I realized that the work that I'm doing needs to be done was when she called me about uh, a volleyball player. And yep. she had been disqualified for wearing hijab. And I, um, Najah, I believe her name was. Um, I'm not sure. But she called me about, she was disqualified for wearing hijab. And Bilkis was like, what did you do? Because she's in high school. You're in high school. What did you do? And tell us so we can help her with her situation. And that's the day that I realized I was like, okay, this is almost a year after what happened to me. Um, and it's still happening. And I think that's when I was like, okay, we need to get the ball rolling and on letting her run and really continue to share my story because it's not over. It's never over. Yeah. Nor when you, when you came to that point where you decided to start this initiative and foundation, what steps did you take? Because obviously you're quite young doing this. You didn't have any uh, apparently business experience per se in this area. So what was the process? Who did you get to help you and how did, and what steps did you take to get it off the ground? Yeah, so I graduated from a really great high school called the Bounty Collegium. And um, my entire high school career has been focused around passion projects and pursuing your passions. And they've always been really great at connecting us with different mentors and ensuring that we follow our passions. So when I was disqualified, um, I immediately went to go talk to my mentor and um, at my school and he basically me and him, we drew out Let Nor Run and he said, okay, what exactly, what do you see from this? And that's when we came up with, okay, we're fighting discrimination, we're fighting injustice. And it's not just in sports, but it's in doing what we love. Um, and then I think once we got that down, then it was easy to just keep going. And um, that's when we had the kickoff event um, in January, 2020. And we had a 5k last year. And then just recently we passed the bill. So. How, do you, how do you approach the business side I mean, obviously you needed to build a media ecosystem around this with social media, the website, et cetera. Who was helping you with that? Um, initially, my mentors, again, were helping me with like the website and um, like, I guess, flyers and stuff like that. Um, but then I think after like, I mean, it's been two years. So after a while, I kind of got the hang of it on my own. Oh, really? <laughs> um, um, you know, and I want to translate it over to when you're on campus and there are so many issues with mental health, uh, especially not just among student athletes, but about among, amongst young people on campus these days. How do you balance your time with, with yeah. the academics and the foundation? And I'm sure people like us reaching out to you after they hear your story. Uh, how are you able to do that? And what was your first year uh, or your last year like uh, at Ohio State? So when I was going into my first year, I definitely told myself I'm not I'm not going to take on so much with Latin or run. I'm just going to take it really easy. Um, and then I, that's just that not, not really how it happened, um, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I honestly, my professors have always been really great in just like 
responding to my emails. Like I have this going on. I'm doing this. I'm going to be in this city this week. I need an extension. Um, I won't make it to class, stuff like that. I have an archive of emails like that to my professors and never once were they like, no, no, it's always like you wow, the work that you're doing is really great. So that, that made it easy um, for me to navigate school and let nor run and trying to stay fit and trying to stay running and keep my mental health alive. Um, and I think another really great thing that helped was just continuing to run. So I don't run for Ohio State. Um, I just run on my own. And that was a challenge in itself, going from being a high school athlete to going to college and not having anyone holding you accountable to like go on the run or go to the gym. Um, so once I was able to get a routine in and going to go on my runs and going to the gym, um, that really helped me and just um, keeping myself healthy and sane. <laughs> and, and you're studying fashion design and sports. Is that right? Yes. Wow. All right. We'll talk about where you want to maybe go with that. I know she's yeah. going to be in, gonna be in our program in two years. So I was going to say, it sounds like you, so. yeah. And, and it, you know, you have another chance to write that essay. You can just maybe <laughs> copy it and send it to Columbia. <laughs> um, one thing that I was, that I actually was just recently thinking about and what I want to do with fashion design and, um, you know, being an athlete was um, sportswear for the hijabi pro athlete. And I think that there's such a big gap in the industry for that. Um, there's always the, um, a lot of hijab companies have sports hijabs or they have clothing modest wear for active, they have active wear for hijabis. Um, but I don't think that it fits the pro athlete and what they want. So when I was just recently thinking about, okay, what do I want to do in fashion design? And, um, and I love sport and that's somewhere that I would love to explore and just that idea of, what's active wear for the hijabi pro athlete, not just the hijabi athlete or the hijabi that wants to go on a run, but for the hijabi that wants to be an athlete. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Hey, um, um, you had mentioned when we talked that you'd heard not just um, from women, but from men who've had some kind of discrimination against them, whether it's wearing a yarmulke or something else that's come up. Um, are, there, are there any stories that stand out without naming, naming them? who some of the men are who've been around or some of the boys are who've been around and said, Hey, I've been, had a problem as well. Yeah. When I was starting Let No Run, um, the first thing that I always do it when I'm doing, starting anything is do research. Um, and a boy that I saw. Novel idea, by the way, I don't know why anybody would ever <laughs> want to do that. So. <laughs> when um, the first boy that I stumbled across was um, he was a wrestler and they made him cut off his dreads um, before his wrestling match. That was, it, and, was that in Pennsylvania? It was a couple of years ago, I think. I think it was in it Pennsylvania. Was. Yeah. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember this. But, but that's a story that stood out to hmm. me. And then I'm, I'm sure there was a basketball team um, in Texas um, and it was a Jewish basketball team and they wanted to move the tournament or something um, to a different day because it was on a day of their holiday. So it's, it's stuff like that. And those kinds of things really stand out. And that's why when the bill was um, introduced and when people needed to come and testify for the bill to the different committees, um, we had members from the Jewish community coming to testify, members from the Christian community coming to testify. And it really just stood out and showed that it's about religious freedom and everybody wants that. It's not just about Muslims. Um, 
it's about anyone that wants to express themselves in the way that they choose to. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but BYU, Brigham Young will not play on Sundays um, and have never played on Sundays. Um, it's really been a, an issue. And as a matter of fact, every time the men's or women's uh, basketball teams make March Madness, they have to be in the Thursday, Friday bracket for the first for the first round of March Madness because they very rarely, I don't think they will play on Sundays. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is, and I can't remember his name right now, but there was a pitcher who was drafted who signed this year, um, who is probably the hardest throwing pitcher who happens to be orthodox. Um, and uh, he signed with, I think, the Detroit Tigers with the idea that he would not pitch on the Sabbath. Like he will never pitch sundown Friday to, to sundown Saturday. And, and they agreed to it. As a matter of fact, my alma mater, Fordham University, a great Jesuit school in the Bronx, had offered him a full scholarship saying that, yes, you won't pitch on Saturday. But of course, he took the money and went to Major League Baseball. But that's a different story. <laughs> um, so do you see um, going forward, where does this go? Like, what is your I don't want to say tell us where you see this in five years, because that's not really fair. But um, what is the way where do you think this will go? But more importantly, as I mentioned, BYU and other places, what have other have other states started to implement anything along these lines or, or how many states are there um, laws or statutes now that, that support the cause that you're trying to, to bring forward? I know of a state that um, also just implemented a law similar to mine, um, that CARE, CARE backed. Um, so, so I think that other states are starting to move along. And I think that in my vision, it would definitely be to introduce this bill to other states and especially in states where you see sim similar instances to mine reoccurring. Um, and I, I feel like, like I, I see that quite often. Um, and I think that when a state, if you can bring in this bill and then you can bring in one of your constituents, someone that lives in your state who has the similar experience, then it can become really powerful and turn into law. Um, and I think that's why my bill was able to move was because um, not only so it was because I went to go testify and I had my story as someone from Ohio. Um, and I think that's, that's when we need to start realizing is that our lawmakers are here to listen to you as constituents. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think that definitely could be implemented in other states, especially if they have that, a personal story, a personal connection um, mm -hmm. to one of their constituents who have been through religious discrimination or any kind of sort of discrimination in sports. Nor, do you have role models, uh, female role models in the world of sports beyond those that you, you mentioned a couple yeah. already, but more broadly, you know, the Serena Williams and, and Naomi Osaka's and things like that. Who do you, who do you particularly like? Um, I, this is, this seems super cliche, but I'm a soccer player and, um, to me, Alex Morgan is like everything. So, um, so definitely that's like my, like, my preteen, teenage, like, that's my biggest role model. And when I see her playing, it's, it's so inspiring to me. And then um, we think about hijabi role model, models, definitely Ibtihaj Muhammad. Um, she was the first person that I saw that was like on the Olympic stage wearing hijab. And that to me was like mind blowing. Um, I was totally just like starstruck by her. I read her book. I was like, this is, this woman is, um, is truly an inspiration to me as a hijabi in the Olympics, um, doing great things. So. 
Joe, are you aware of Alex and, and you too, Nora, aware of what Alex is Morgan Alex Morgan is doing with some other female athletes in the world of uh, digital content? They it's launched, together. didn't they launch a platform? They launched yeah, a sports it's called platform. Together. We talked about it in my class, uh, Nora, <clears throat> right. I teach the digital media class, and we were talking about athlete-controlled media, such as Players' Tribune, and or athlete, I should say athlete-focused uh, media, Players' Tribune, uninterrupted. But Together is uh, Alex, uh, Megan Rapino and Subert, I think is the yeah. uh, third uh, basketball player, there, and there's a fourth Anyway, you should check it out if you don't know it. It's together with a three instead of the E before. The oh, is that what that is? I, I always yeah. thought it was like a strange X. I couldn't never figure it out. <laughs> I think they were trying to be cute, and it is kind of cute, but it is a little confusing. Um, yeah. A real interesting. And, and I love the idea hmm. of, and Joe and I have talked about this a few times over the years on this podcast, athletes taking a, playing a greater role in the production of content. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that with Kevin Durant and 35 Ventures and some of his documentaries and things like that. It, it, could that, might that be part of your ambition as as you grow up and, and get uh, a broader uh, exposure with, with the things you're gonna do? I don't know, maybe. Social media kind of stresses me out. So maybe if I- <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a shock. You and everybody else. I can make a social media that doesn't stress people out so much. I, I think so. And I and I know it's not it's not just a me thing. I think it's like, a, it's my generation. It's just like having to put a picture out there and does it look good? Oh, That's no. so cool. Oh, no. And um, yeah. so I, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Well, let's actually talk about that for a second. What are you, just give us your impressions of like what's going on these days with, the, the main platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, et yeah. cetera. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love to get your opinion as a, as a college student and, and someone mm -hmm. in your position of influence. I mean, Instagram, I'm not a big fan of because I I just feel like it's, um, I mean, obviously I use it, but, um, and I know that it's not 100% real, um, which is why I actually enjoy TikTok a lot because it's like, <laughs> people are just like, they're real on there and they, they turn on their, TikTok camera and they just like no makeup, no filters, and they're just being real. And I guess that's just my FYP or whatever the side of TikTok that I'm on. Um, but I actually love that about TikTok. And then Instagram's just like, God, what's going on on there, you know? Right. Um, so I, I that's I guess that's my take between TikTok and Instagram. I think Twitter is closer to the TikTok side of things. That people, I think people try to be more real on Twitter. Um, than they do on Instagram or Facebook, um, so. But you do have you do have to think about it whether you like it or not in the context of the Let Nor Run initiative. You know, it's a business thing for you as much yeah. as it is a personal thing. Are you handling that yourself, the social activity around Let Nor Run, or do you have some help on that? Um, I handle it myself along with my sister Sinine. She she's really good at it. She likes social media. Um, much more than I do. So um, she's, she does much better at it. I think um, as part to like, let nor run social medias, it's all just Nora's social media. Um, because I think I realized that like, I am let nor run. Um, so why make another social media for mm -hmm. this, um, when I can just share all of our updates on my own. Um, and yeah, my sister helps me a lot when it comes to just like, a lot of times I just don't want to post. And I think that's, that's a problem because, you know, you're running an organization, you need to get the word out. Um, but my sister is like, okay, Nora, give me your phone. I will just post for you. And I'm like, okay, here, take it. Like you figure it out. That's so. funny. 
So I guess I guess the example is let Noor run her own social media. That's really. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Tom, you have any other questions before we get to our last two? No, just so interesting. I, 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 I have to ask. I mean, have you gotten any media training? Because obviously you're doing some very high profile and in certain cases, like speaking in front of government officials, high stress speaking situations. And you seem so excellent at it and so poised for someone your age. It's really impressive. She's actually 38. She hasn't told anybody that. That's, that's <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I definitely, I give all the credit to science fair. I was wow. very heavily involved in science fair, all of middle school, all of high school, all the way up until I had to do a virtual science fair because of COVID. So, um, I was very heavily involved and that I think helped a lot with my public speaking and um, just like knowing what I'm talking about. I think that's what's helped me is that like, I won't talk about something unless I know because I'm like presenting research when it comes to science fair. Right. Um, so yeah, I credit it all to science fair. Well, so. that's, that's good advice, Joe. It's like, remember like focus on the things you actually know something about before you start talking. <laughs> good luck with that. I wish more people actually subscribe to that. <laughs> But, you know, it's funny. I totally forgot about this until this moment. But both Nora and her mom quoted Schoolhouse Rock when they were on stage nice. last week, which I, nice. that blew me away. I'm like, what, I don't what, know. How what, wait, wait, we got to hear what the quote. Movie. What was the quote? What, what was it was it? about a bill, right? It was I'm just a bill. They did. They actually did the, the music from I'm just a bill, which was I'm just a bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it, I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I would bet less than 10% of the people in the room actually knew what the heck Schoolhouse Rock was, but right. I love that when that came up. I said uh, it was pretty amazing. Anyway, um, so we're going to get to our last two questions, Noor, which we, we uh, well, actually, we hinted that we would ask you is you have so much going on. We talked about time management. Uh, you know, you're in the cause space, a little bit in the sports space, in the social uh, social awareness space. How do you stay up to date with everything that you do? And, you know, although as Tom alluded to, you are on the younger side of some of the guests we've had, but I'm sure you've been approached by countless people your age and probably older about, you know, how do you do this? So what's the advice? How do you stay up to date? And then what's the advice you give people that you've gotten already that, that's really valuable? Um, by up to date, do you mean like stay up to date on like yeah. what's what websites going do you go to? How do you how do you keep everything constant that you're getting a steady yeah. flow of information? Um, so I'm always doing research, like I said, and I think that sometimes I'll just go and I'll search online discrimination in sports and that's all I'll search. And honestly, most of the times there's a new thing that pops up as the first thing for a while. It was just it was just me. Um, but then, <laughs> but then it started, it started to be new things. And I, and, um, so I guess that's, that's what helps me stay up to date. Obviously social media is really great to stay up to date. Um, my mom's like always up to date with everything. She's the 411. Um, so she's, she's always up to date and she's always sending me things. So I think that's, that's really helpful to stay up to date. And then when it comes to time management, I got into a habit of, using a planner, um, really young. Uh, so I'm, and I'm, I'm not very bad at using planners because it's honestly just a planner that's a to-do list um, filled with a to-do list. The value of crossing things off is yes. tremendously lost sometimes. Wait, wait, when you, uh, Nora, exactly. you're, kind of, you're kind of motioning like you're using a physical planner, like a right. book planner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, wow. physical planner. My so that's like a big, that's like big news, a college student in 2022 <laughs> using a physical planner. My mentor is always trying to get me to put things on my phone and like digitally. And I'm, 
I like my planner. My mom's a big planner person. She has all these planner stickers and different color pens. So um, it's honestly something that we all do together. Me, my mom, and my sister is we, we write in our planners um, and then we cross it out, which is so satisfying, way satisfying, more satisfying than like clicking a check, a green check on your iPhone or whatever. So yeah, that's, I think that's That's what helps me the most. Okay. And then the advice side, what do you tell people? Um, I think the biggest advice that I could give is to just um, be brave and find something that you're passionate about. So it's very hard to work timelessly on something that you're not passionate about um, and or, or find passion in what you're doing. Find that one little thing that really sticks out to you that you're like, okay, that's what I want to work on. That's what that's what will drive me. Um, in what I'm doing. And that's what's helped me the most with Latino Run is that I have a little sister and I don't want her to go through anything that I'm going through. So that's what keeps me going and that's what keeps me moving. Um, And then another piece of advice that I would give to especially younger people, people of all ages, um, is to, like you were saying, is that our lawmakers, they work for us. We're their constituents. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially young people, we, we can't vote. So it's like, what kind of, what, what kind of change can we make to them? What do we mean to them? And that's that we live in their state and that we're their constituents. Um, and that's something that I never realized until I was going through this process with the law. Um, and then even like when I was testifying in front of the senators, it took me a while to realize, okay, they actually want to hear my story because I live in Ohio and they, and it's almost like they're supposed to help me as a person living in Ohio. So, um, and I think that's like a piece of advice that I could give is to be brave and to engage in, um, um, in civic participation and continue Mm -hmm. to to like put your voice out there and continue to tell your story and continue to be a storyteller. Because as much as I told my story, I didn't realize that it was important to tell it until Senator Gavarone heard it. And then I was like, oh, this is an important story to tell and this is the person that needs to hear it. So continuing to tell your story and continuing to be brave in that um, is like the biggest advice that I could give. That's outstanding. I mean, just speaking up and boy, we could use more of that I think with young people on some of these uh, and, and difficult issues. Well, yeah, but I, but I think, Joe, the difference sometimes is that there's there's a sense, you know, that that um, younger people aren't as engaged for different reasons, cynicism, um, distraction, you know, busyness, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of issues that, as we all know, that are quite challenging uh, around our country, where young people, in my humble opinion, should have a bigger say. Uh, and where mm-hmm. the, and where we're going directionally, and sometimes you don't get the sense that it's re- the, the, that demo is represented well enough um, yeah. uh, among the officials. Something really interesting. I actually um, the committee that my bill was part of was the education committee, and um, you know they're voting on schools that people my age are in, and I was right. always the youngest person testifying. Um, and and that's something that I was like, well, where are the other students? You know what I mean, like. They're, they're voting on what's going to affect them. Why right. aren't there more students here testifying and telling their stories and their experiences in the schools that they're going to be making changes in? Um, so, yeah, that's just an observation yep. that I've had. I agree. Cool. Uh, last question, Noor. Where can people follow Let Noor Run? And then tell us about the documentary as well. Yeah. So um, I guess the 
perfect, most perfect place is to my website. It's latinorun.com. Um, and I usually try to update it as much as I can. And I update it with all my news, all the new things. Um, so that's like the most perfect place. And then um, the documentary is called Let Nor Run and it's um, from ESPN. And it's a really special documentary to me. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I know and is that it's really highlighting the importance of hijab in the whole story. So, um, and why I couldn't just take it off or why it was so important for me to fight for religious freedom and, and continue this fight. So I'm really excited for this documentary short to come out because it's highlighting that. And I feel like a lot of the times when telling my story, it doesn't highlight that importance and the importance of like religion to me and to my family and, um, you know, the, the part that I have in my community, um, stuff like that. So I'm really excited for the short to come out and for you guys to kind of see that side of me and that so side of my family. Will it be on, um, will it air on ESPN Network or is it going to be ESPN Plus? Do you know specifically where it's, you can find it? From what I know is that it'll be on ESPN 2. Oh, um, nice. Okay. And that's that's the extent of it. It'll, it'll be part of the, in June, it'll be part of ESPN's Title IX celebration. Exactly. And then obviously, because mm -hmm. everything lives on streaming, it'll be on ESPN. S Plan Plus for like the next 75 years as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes, um, exactly. June 1st on ESPN2. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, is the first time for people who are watching June 1st, 2021, by the way, for people who will watch this way, listen to this way into the future. Uh, and then obviously you can get it on ESPN Plus. Well. 2022, so, Joe. That's what I said. Did I say 2022? You said 2021. I always live in the past. So that's okay. <laughs> really? We have one um, more year. We didn't pandemic. miss a whole year. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You scared me for a second there. I was like, did I just like fall asleep for a year? Like I'm missing. <laughs> anyway. So Tom, you want to wrap us up? Yeah. Good. Noor, thank you so much. Uh, what an interesting, um, what an interesting story and congratulations to you on bringing something so important to such, such a high level of attention. Um, and not only just talking about it, but I think the, the really heartwarming part of this story is seeing action actually taken. Uh, it gives, I think, gives everybody some hope that rights, as Joe said before, right, some rights can, excuse me, some wrongs can be righted and that progress can be made when the right people speak up. So I think that last bit of advice was spot on. Um, so we wish you well at The Ohio State University with your studies, you. with all the work with Let Nor Run, the foundation, et cetera. We will definitely be watching Let Nor Run on ESPN, the deuce, uh, in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, on behalf of Columbia, thank you for joining us today, and we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks, Yash, behind the scenes for producing, and we'll see everybody next time.